please uh, join, join me in prayer. Uh, dear Only Father, we thank you so much uh, for tonight. Uh, we thank you that uh, you have uh, given us your son, Jesus, uh, that we may live a life no longer for our sake, uh, but for you. Um, and Lord, we pray uh, that tonight as we think about uh, the Holy Spirit, um, Lord, we ask that you would uh, help us to concentrate, uh, remove uh, distractions from our minds, uh, from our screens, and help us to engage well with one another um, in a loving manner uh, and help each other learn and be, be encouraged. And we pray for all of this in your son's name. Amen. Now we're going to have uh, quite uh, a few uh, breakout rooms today. Uh, and, you know, at forums, you often meet people who, um, well, you might meet people who you don't know, uh, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, breakout rooms are really important, really important for you guys to uh, contribute and discuss uh, and get uh, your heads in the game. Uh, and we're going to start by uh, uh, the first breakout room, introducing ourselves um, and then answering these three questions on the slide. Should all Christians be Pentecostals? Pentecostal? Why did the Spirit come? And what does, uh, what is the Spirit's work? Is that what does the Spirit? What, what, what is the Spirit's work? Um, so, so please, uh, five minutes, so don't take too long, uh, but introductions and those questions, could someone pop it in the chat? There you go, Phil, awesome. Um, so five minutes, and we'll be, we'll be back. So should, should Christians uh, be Pentecostal? Um, yeah, so there's something to do with reminders, something to do with teaching. Uh, and we'll be looking more into, into that. This is just to get help us uh, start thinking about, you know, who is the Holy Spirit um, and what, what is he here to do? I'll be reading uh, for us from uh, John uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 13. John chapter 3, verse 15. Um, so John chapter 2, verse 13 uh, to 3, 15. I'll be reading for us and then will uh, discuss uh, some questions uh, in the breakout room. John chapter 2, verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out, uh, all out of the temple with the sheep and, and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what, signs, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken us 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can see these signs 
No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and, we bear, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. All right, uh, we're going to go back into the breakout, room to the breakout rooms to discuss uh, these two questions. Why do we feel sorry for Nicodemus? And why should we not feel sorry for Nicodemus? So again, a couple minutes in your breakout rooms. Those two questions. Okay. We're all back. So tell us, why do we feel sorry for Nicodemus? That's the first question first. Why do we feel sorry? Yep. Gets exposed as being a bit ignorant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's really interesting. And he does seem sincere. He's a leader, a man of prominence. And, you know, he may have been afraid of the other Pharisees while he came at night. But he comes humbly, doesn't he? You know, he, he can speak to Jesus as the great one. Jesus is unqualified. Jesus has no degree in theology. Jesus didn't go to more college. I know this is hard to believe, but he didn't go to more college. He's got nothing, no name, no title. He's just a self-appointed rabbi from central Queensland. <laughs> I mean, sorry, has anyone come from central Queensland? No. Good, Okay. Um, and so here he just turns up, you see, in the capital city, Jerusalem, and this leader of Israel comes and humbly speaks to him. You know, Rabbi, calls him Rabbi. We know that you're a teacher from God because no one can do the signs unless God is doing. And then we also feel sorry for him because he never gets to ask his question. Do you notice that? Before he asks anything, Jesus drops the bomb on him. You know, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. Now he starts asking his questions, but they're not his questions. They're the questions Jesus have, have kind of got him going on, isn't it? See, Jesus, not apologetics, categorics. Goes straight for the jugular. And poor old Nicodemus, he doesn't know whether he's Arthur or Martha at this point. Of, because all through the argument, he never kind of catches up. He's always, you know, losing out on every contribution he makes until Jesus finally says, well, look, you're supposed to be the teacher. How come you don't know this? Okay. Why 
shouldn't we feel sorry for him? That's the second question, wasn't it? Okay, well, I'm a little disappointed in your answers this evening. They're good, they're bad, but they... We read the whole passage. Why did we read the whole passage? Well, because of that verse, you see. Verse 24. 23, many believed. 24, Jesus and his part didn't trust himself to them. Why? Well, because he knew all people and he needed no one to bear witness about man, but he himself knew what was in man. Now, there was a man. You see, chapter 3 just flows on from chapter 2, and you've just been told not to trust someone. Jesus doesn't trust people if they believe in miracles. And then this man turns up and says, well, I know you from God. Why? Because you do miracles. Miracle faith is untrustworthy faith. You don't trust people because of miracles. Mind you, I think the, uh, I've forgotten who did it now, but you get credit, whoever it is, was it Kevin? No, it was somebody's group who said, yeah, but Ezekiel 30, you know, Ezekiel 36, yes. The Old Testament talks about the coming of the Spirit. And John the Baptist has just told them that the Christ is coming and he's going to baptise with the Spirit. And so the idea of the Spirit was about to arrive Prophesied in the Old Testament, a teacher of Israel should have known that. Prophesied now by John the Baptist, a teacher of Israel should have been out to hear the new prophet. And he turns up and asks Jesus the question which shows that he's not a true believer. I think he becomes one by the end of John's gospel, but that's another story. Okay, we need to talk about two ways to live for a moment or two. So just going to change gears. Those of you who are automatic uh, drivers, you just put your foot in the accelerator again. But for those who need to put a clutch in, you put the clutch in now. We're changing the gears. And Ashley and Phil are going to talk to us about two ways to live, aren't you? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Philip. Um, Ashley, I was just, you know, I noticed that God, right? He, he's Trinity. Yeah. Mm. Like Father, yeah. Son, Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy yeah. Spirit. But I was looking at two ways to live the other day, and I can't help but notice, right, somebody's missing. I had the same thought, Phil. I was actually looking at, because I know there's a new, like, you know, revised two ways to live out now, oh, and I was yeah, looking at it again. Right. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and I was looking at it, and I was like, I think something's missing. The Holy Spirit, like, where is the Holy Spirit on two ways where to live? Where is he? Where is he? Um, but, <laughs> Phil, I've got some thoughts. Hang on. Okay, let me, yeah, yeah. Let me share, let me share my screen. And I'm gonna tell you where my ideas were for this, where I think it is. So look at box one. You know, God's the ruler of the world, he created the whole world, uh, made us to rule his good world, giving thanks and honor to him. But remember in Genesis, it talks about how you know the spirit was hovering over the waters, and surely the Trinity, yeah, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it was at work at that moment. So, you know, I was thinking, Holy Spirit is, you know, somewhere hovering you know creation oh, so I was yeah. like, box one that was uh -huh. my first thought um but what do you think do you think that's like legit yeah look i don't know ash i think box two i reckon box two that's where uh that's where uh the holy spirit maybe uh you know, people are yeah, look, uh, they're rejecting God. 
and God's Trinity. So we can just put some Holy Spirit waves here and then put a big cross through them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, reckon, I reckon maybe number two. Interesting. I didn't think number two, but I did also think number three because... Number three? Oh, okay. Yeah. Tell me why number me three. Um, yeah, I was looking at John's gospel and he talked about how, you know, Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit to come, in, you know, convict people of sin and judgment. And I thought, you know, the Holy Spirit is also here active in that. So okay. that was my other thought. See, there's the... You know, if we're going to represent the Holy Spirit, it's the squiggly lines, I think, um, <laughs> at this point. But yeah, so I was like, Fox 3 is my other, yeah. is my other thought. Nah, I don't know, Ash. I'm not convinced. I reckon Box 4. Box 4. This is where we should update two ways to live with the Holy Spirit because Jesus, right, when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him at the baptism. Uh, it says, you know, he's filled with the power of the Spirit. So I think we need to draw like a little bird, like the dove from the baptism in there, just between yeah. like G, like Jesus Coming. and you see my little bird there? Yeah, I think I do. I think that's actually, there. that's actually not bad. <laughs> I would, um, um, I, I think I'm following you, but um, let me just tell you about why box five was my other idea. Because box five, okay, interesting you know, thought. All right, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm keen, I'm listening. Tell me, tell me, tell me, what do you got? Resurrected. Okay. Ascended. Yeah, resurrected uh -huh. by the spirit, ascended, and Whoa, um, yeah. you know that point in um, you know, we were talking about Pentecost. You know, the Holy Spirit is poured out after His ascension, and and Acts chapter two. So I thought, you know, this is really the point at which the Holy Spirit getting poured out, the the tongues, and trying to draw a little um, this is a jug. <laughs> it's it's oh, poured out. It's it's poured out, and um, and it was at work in this whole thing. So you can't really say the Holy Spirit's not there um so box five that's that's pretty strong ash i like your jug drawing that gives you a little bit of cred for box five but honestly ash, i think it's box six box six this is where we need to put the holy spirit right because how can anyone like come to life and be able to turn to jesus without the holy spirit quickening us bringing us to life so i think we need to put you know, the Holy Spirit there on the person who is turning to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, I think being regenerated, that, that's when you put the Holy Spirit. Or maybe in box, in box seven. Oh, right? oh, box oh. seven. Box seven box is seven. you, the person reading it. Like if you read this and you go, wow, Jesus, he is the son of God. I want to turn and have my whole life about him. Then the Holy Spirit's in you. I like this. Let's just add another box. Box number seven. Box number seven. Yeah, box number seven. Okay. Um, That's a bit meta. A bit I wanted going to I, fourth wall. I just had a thought that maybe we should ask the farmers what they think. Um, because yeah, clearly okay. we've presented some great arguments. We so, have. Okay, guys, um, in the chat, which box do you think the Holy Spirit should go in? Put it in now in the chat. Come on, tell us. Let's get get conclusive about this. Uh and, and don't please. don't just pick mine because you like me, oh, you know, like no. You know, be fair to Ash and her arguments, you know, like every box, Sherwin, four. Oh, the no. crown looks like a bird. Mike, okay, <laughs> thanks. Uh, every box or six, Chris. Wow, you really, really staked your claim there. Uh, six. Oh, six is popular. Draw a huge bird around all the boxes. Oh, Mike, Lou. Box zero, Angus. Oh, so silly. 
no one wanted box seven. But... Can't box him in. Oh, Ben. <laughs> oh, Ben. Come on, guys. Keep it, keep it coming. What do you got? Every box. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, shall we? <laughs> no, no. Right. there's only one way to conclusively decide which box. Let's ask Philip, right? He wrote it. Surely he can conclusively say who's right. Okay, Philip, who's right? Am I right or is Ash right? Uh, always be careful of those questions when they give you only one of two options because it really is either of the options. It's a philosophical flaw. Of course, they're both wrong. It's got to do with what you think two ways to live is. You see, this is a presentation of what the Christians say to the non-Christians about the nature of the gospel. And when you go through the book of Acts, they don't preach the Holy Spirit. Oh, he's mentioned very briefly in Acts 2 and the day of Pentecost. Well, understandably. But, you know, once Peter starts preaching, the subject of the Holy Spirit gets pushed out until after he's finished making his appeal, really. And in the other parts, of it, the Holy Spirit is not a key feature. I mean, you're right, the Holy Spirit is there all the time. But the Holy Spirit is not the content of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is the one who creates the gospel, produces the gospel, puts it in your mouth to preach to other people, changes the heart of the person. The Holy Spirit's at work all the way through but the Holy Spirit's not spoken about in gospel preaching. So that's why in Acts 2, in, our, in the two ways to live, we don't have the Holy Spirit being mentioned. It's not that we don't believe in him, although we don't believe he's actively involved in the work of the evangelism. In fact, he is the evangelist. It's just that he's not the content of the evangel. So it was a nice try, except the artwork. But otherwise it was, you know, Thanks, Philip. It was excellent. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take the participation. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at John's gospel itself. Angus, we're going to look at, the, at John's gospel. Can you give us briefly what the structure of John's gospel is so that when we look at this last bit of John's gospel, we know what we're looking at? Sure thing. Um, grab, grab your pens, grab some paper. Here's a little little PowerPoint for you. I'm, I'm happy to take compliments on how good my PowerPoint looks. So so let, let me know if you, if you like it. Um, the purpose of John that comes at the end of end of John in chapter 20, verse 31, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Um, I think that's, John is very clear that that's why he's writing. He's writing so that we will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So the passage we had was belief in fancy signs. We want to believe this, this word that Jesus is the Christ. The structure of John, um, I've, I've got a, this structure from a bloke called Andreas Kostenberger. I think it's, it's pretty good. You can debate it. John, John doesn't write chapters like our books, our modern books today, but you can roughly make a structure. John starts with a little introduction, the word made flesh. You know, you know those classic verses I figure out. Uh, then comes two parts. The first part is chapter 119 um, through to the end of chapter 12 big chunk of, of text and lots of traveling and movement and going through the countryside you can see uh, in Cana all the way through to Jerusalem then the, the, the next half the next second big major act is from start of 13 
to the end of 20. Third, chapter 13 is the big hinge in John. And you see, I've put that really big bold section there for you. That's a huge chunk of chapters. And that's Jesus hanging out with his mates, teaching them. So many chapters of in, in the upper room, Jesus discussing what's about to happen with his disciples. And then the two and three, points two and three there, that's what, that's what happens. And then there's a little epilogue there, the last little chapter in John. And hey, presto, that's the gospel according to John. Thank you. Thank you, Angus, because we're going to be looking at those five chapters. And you see, it really is a big section. You think he's got 21 chapters and five chapters. Is that right? 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, five chapters of the 21 are about one conversation. I mean, Jesus is for three years in his public ministry. And this one conversation takes five chapters of the gospel. And it's also kind of a high point, isn't it? Because within 24 hours, Jesus is dead. So it's kind of his last will and testament that he gives before he dies. So it, it's, it's not a nothing, this section of the gospel. This has got to be a really important bit for the gospel writer to make such emphasis upon it. And so we're going to have five breakout rooms here uh, in the next little while. Well, there'll be other things as well. Looking at each of the sections in this conversation when he speaks about the Holy Spirit. Because all kinds of people have all kinds of theories about the Holy Spirit. Why don't we see what Jesus' theory is? Because uh, if anyone actually knows what the Holy Spirit is coming to do and why he's coming, it's got to be Jesus. And this is where he sets it out. Yeah. We're going to work quickly. We've got to help each other here because there's a lot of Bible reading now and a lot of just looking at what the text says and the questions are pretty standard all the way through. So turn first to John 14. Verses 15 to 17, 14, 15 to 17. Because uh, uh, Molly is about to uh, read this to us, aren't you, Molly? I thought you were. You had that look about you. Chapter 14, Four. verses 15 to 17. To read that for us, and then we'll go into our breakout room. Here we go. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the word cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. See you in five minutes. Okay. How or why is the spirit coming? Okay. Um, technical knowledge. So let me help you out with this word, helper, comforter, counselor, etc. Uh, the word is paraclete. That's the Greek word. We don't know how to translate it. That's the problem. We, so the old word in English was comforter. The trouble is the word comforter has changed meaning in English. Comforter in English, it used to mean um, somebody who uh, really encourages you on. In the, uh, the Battle of Hastings, there's a great tapestry, a famous tapestry called the Bayer Tapestry. And in the Bayer Tapestry, you see a man comforting his troops and how he comforts his troops to stand behind them and shoves a spear in their back. So as he's 
encouraging them, he's pushing them on. That's comforting. Whereas today, comforting means wrapped up in cotton wool. In fact, or having a dummy, the Americans call a dummy a comforter. Right? And it's so comforter is a hopeless word because English has changed its meaning. Better words are helper, but helper doesn't tell you what it is. Or counselor. Counselor is not a bad word, but we have two kinds of counselors. We have psychological, social work, psychiatric counselors, and we have legal counselors. Uh, this is the legal type, not the psychological type. Nothing against the psychologists. I'm all for them. I'm just looking at one now. We're all for them, but this is the legal kind of counselor we're talking about. The person who comes beside you, gives you advice, defends you, speaks for you, it's that kind of person. And so it's just a tricky word. We don't know what to do with it. But he's the spirit of truth. So what's he going to do? He comes to be what kind of helper? What kind of helper is he going to be? Another Where helper. Okay, who's the helper that they've got at the moment? Jesus. Yeah, that's right. So he come, what's he come to do, therefore? To replace Jesus, really, doesn't he? In yeah. the work of helping them. Because at the moment, they have Jesus with them. And so the Holy Spirit is with them in Jesus. But when Jesus goes, then the Holy Spirit is going to come in them. So the Holy Spirit is going to be with the disciples in, in a way to actually that is not the same as the world. So persuade them to believe and get them to be obedient to the commandments. But it's basically, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you another helper to replace me. And the other helper is the one that you've already had in me, but this helper is now going to come in you, and he's the spirit of truth. Last question. They come, is it for the apostles or for the disciples? All the apostles are disciples, but not all disciples are apostles, right? Is this for the disciples or the apostles? Okay. Well, it's an if you love me, I will send the Father. I mean, he's speaking to the apostles, so it's a you, that's them. But it's a general thing. If people love, then it's going to be. But let's look ahead, shall we? Go to the next passage, which I think we've got wrong on our PowerPoint, etc. So the one that we're looking at next is, John 14, verses 25 and 26. 25 and 26, right, which Emily's going to read for us. John 14, 25 and 26. Thanks, Emily. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, where you go to the groups. Okay, where are we going? Uh, how or why is the Spirit coming? Okay, so what's he called this time then? Uh, the Helper and the Holy Spirit. Now, we may think that's no big deal, but you know, in all the Old Testament, the Spirit of God is only called the Holy Spirit twice. So this is something actually slightly different to give him this title, which is not the Old Testament title, but from here on in becomes the New Testament title of the Holy Spirit. Uh, yeah, what's he going to do? He's going to teach them all things. Is that it? Um, but in particular, the things already taught to them. Is that right? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, 
why is he going to teach them those things? John 14, 15, 17, no, 14, 25 to 26. Really important in answering the question, how it is that we can trust the rest of the New Testament to have recorded Jesus' words properly. Because the work of the Holy Spirit was to remind them of what Jesus had said. So it becomes a really important little passage there. And it's therefore for the apostles, isn't it? Because you weren't there to hear Jesus, but the apostles were there to hear Jesus. And that's how we know that what we have in the New Testament is accurate, because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to move forward then on to break room number five, where we look at John 15, 25 to 26. You get the hang of these, don't you? Really, it's comprehension questions. Just got to see what's there. So who's going to read this for us? No one is. We've already moved to it. You have to read it yourself. There we go. How are we going on this question? Then? Okay, straightforward. What's the Holy Spirit called this time? Spirit of truth and the helper. And the helper. That's right. And so uh, how is he coming this time? Uh, he's coming uh, from the Father. Proceed yep. from the Father. Yeah. It's interesting how they're slightly different each time and how the Holy Spirit is coming. What's he coming to do? What's he going to do? Bear witness and testify about Christ. Okay. What is a witness? Someone who speaks the truth. When do you ever call a witness to give tell the truth? You only call the witness when they're in opposition. If everybody agrees, you don't waste the court's time by getting a witness to tell you what everybody agrees. You only get a witness to tell when it's in opposition. And so if you look at this passage, and we, I didn't give you the option, the few verses beforehand is all about persecution. And the few verses afterwards are all about persecution as well. So in the context of opposition, the Holy Spirit is coming to witness. Who is he going to witness to? He's going to bear witness about Jesus. He's not an eyewitness. He's a witness. What's the difference between an eyewitness and a witness? You get expert witnesses. They don't see, but they have expertise and know. And Jesus says, I came to bear witness to the truth when he's speaking to Pontius Pilate. Is this one for apostles or is this for disciples? This is for apostles who've been with him from the beginning in verse 27. That's right. When uh, they replaced the apostle, who did they replace Judas Iscariot with? It's not there in front of you. Matthias, a good name, Matthias. I always liked that, the name. And... What, did, what were the qualifications they looked for to have Judas replaced by Matthias? They were also like, they'd also witnessed Jesus' ministry. From, oh, from, from the, the beginning. beginning. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right? It's got to be the apostles, the ones who have seen everything so that they can bear witness as the Spirit bears witness. Okay, into John 16, but I need someone to read it for us this time, don't we? Verses 7 to 11. John 16, verses 7 to 11. 
Um, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Okay, work very quickly, friends. On especially, you know, the first two questions. What's he going to do is the big question, isn't it? We'll be back in four minutes. But now tell us, why was the spirit coming? Um, it was coming because Jesus is going away. Yes, but in chapters, ah, yes, that is true in chapter 16, isn't it? And isn't it extraordinary? He says, you'll be better off without me. Isn't that an extraordinary thing to say? What is he coming to do? Convict the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. All right. What do you think the word convict means? The translation convict is not wrong. Just very hard to know what it means. What's the one thing that he's really going to convict the world about? I mean, there are three things there, but it really boils down to one thing. What's the one thing? There are three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment, but what's the one thing that they all have in common? What's the one thing he's convicting the world about? There's a ruler. Yes, not bad, not bad. Because all of them have to do with Jesus. Sin, because the world's rejected me. Righteousness, because I go to the Father. And judgment, because the ruler of this world has been cast out by Jesus. And so he's convicting the world of the gospel. You're a sinner. Jesus has risen and cast out the evil one. Right? He's of central things of the gospel. Come back to this word convict. It's, it's, it's a legal word. So convict is not a bad word, except for us, the jury convicts, doesn't it? So it doesn't quite work for us. Now, it's like ICAC. You all know ICAC. That's how we just got rid of our last premier. That's the third one we got rid of using ICAC. ICAC is a court where no one's felt guilty and put in prison. ICAC is a, a commission that opens up the doors so that you can see the corruption. And so it, it's an expose. It exposes the corruption, which then the courts can take Mr. Obede away and find him guilty and put him in prison. ICAC doesn't find him guilty and put him in prison, but ICAC exposed Mr. Obede in terms of his crimes. And so now they're looking to expose uh, Andy Gladys in terms of her crimes, or did she have them or not, or whatever it is. The Holy Spirit comes to expose the world and its sinfulness because it rejected Jesus. Expose the world of righteousness because God has vindicated Jesus and raised him and expose the world to the judgment that is now going to come because the devil no longer reigns in this world. So what's the Holy Spirit coming to do? To evangelise, that's what. To he's the categoric one. He's the one who's now going to attack the world. 
We're running late because of other things. So let's go across to the next passage, chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. And then we'll go for another quick four-minute room. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay, four minutes and then you come back. What is the Holy Spirit going to do this time? Speak what he hears, yes. Tell us what's to come. You know what's he going to do? Guide, speak, declare, and glorify. Yes, good. Yes, speaking about yeah. truth and Jesus and the things of Jesus, isn't he? So there is the work of the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide, speak, declare, and glorify. Brilliant. Okay. Let me show you the summary then. Sorry for the speed I'm now moving, friends, but, you know, I've taken too much time already, haven't I? Show us the summary. Uh, it's a PowerPoint slide that's going to come up now um, of what it is the Holy Spirit is doing. You see, the risen Jesus sends the Spirit to the apostles, and sometimes it's the apostles as disciples, and sometimes it's just because they were with him from the beginning. And what's he going to do? Number one, yes, next, click, click. Here, the Spirit comes as Jesus' replacement. He's leaving, but he's sending the Spirit to replace him. Secondly, next click, to teach them the truth of the gospel. Thirdly, click to witness to Jesus against the world. Fourthly, to prosecute the world, to, to convict the world, expose the world with the gospel. And lastly, to guide the apostles into all the truth that is in Jesus. So how do you summarise all this up, this work of the Spirit? Well, the reason that Jesus and God the Father sent the Spirit into the world and the reason why the Spirit himself chose to come into the world is called evangelism. That's what it's about, isn't it? You put those things together and what have you got? He's enabling the apostles to evangelise the world. He's convicting the world. That's, that's not just to the apostles, that's to the world of the truth of the gospel. But he's leading the apostles into the truth of that gospel that they are going to preach. As the work of the Holy Spirit is the extension of the work of Jesus. Because Jesus came with God's spirit. He is leaving, but he's sending his spirit back to do that which Jesus was doing now, he's not going to die in our place for our sins because the Son does that, but he's going to apply what the Son has done to the world through the apostles. It's very important to grasp, friends, because this is the significant central teaching of Jesus concerning the work of the Spirit. If someone said to you, what's the work of the Spirit about? Don't go to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Because that's where the Corinthians got it wrong. So you don't go there. That's not the place to find out the work of the Spirit. Go to the Lord Jesus and find out from him what the work of the Spirit is. It's evangelism. 
he enables us to evangelize. He evangelizes the world through us. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, last verse of the night. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12. I don't think we've got this one to be putting up, have we? I can't remember whether I said to put this one up or not. No, I didn't. So can someone who's found it quicker than me? I can read it. Thanks, Pete. That'd be great, then. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which even angels long to look. That's a really important passage, friends. Mark it, study it, pay attention to it. The Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament was to tell about Christ and his sufferings and glories. And the Old Testament's work in the New Testament is to preach the gospel through his servants. The Holy Spirit comes to do the work of Christ, Old and New Testament both. We don't have that front and center. We'll never understand the Holy Spirit and we'll never understand evangelism because we keep on thinking we have to do it. In fact, God is sending his spirit to do it and using us in the process. Okay, we're going to go to prayer time. Last breakout room of the night. Hope you've enjoyed the people you're with because you've been with them on and off all night, haven't you? But now's the time to be praying because the work of evangelism is a spiritual work. It's a supernatural work. It's the work of God through you in the lives of people. It's the work of the application of Jesus' death and resurrection to friends and family and relatives. So be with each other for a few moments there and, and, and share things to pray. Get everyone to pray for what's happening evangelistically in your world. Right? For some of us, it could be the big things of overseas. For some of us, it's my brother is actually really needs the gospel and I want to talk to him about it. Whatever it may be, share with each other and pray with each other. And uh, when you come back into the main room, I won't be here. But that's all right. Others will. You don't have to come back. You can, I'm saying good night now and uh, we'll see you next week. What are we doing next week? Oh, yeah, we're looking more about Jesus, aren't we? And we're looking more about the Holy the Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit. But the coming of the Holy Spirit, which, of course, happens on Pentecost. But you know what Pentecost is about? Next week I'll tell you. See oh. you then. Bye-bye. <laughs>